Hello and welcome to the CEO Mom Podcast, The Woman, The Mother, and The Myths. My name is Vanna Matthews and along with my co-host Melinda Crowder-Dunbar, we are going to debunk myths related to being a woman and a mother. Join us for another raw and uncut conversation. This episode is brought to you by CapEQ, an impact investment and advisory firm that helps investors and businesses achieve superior financial returns through social impact. Their team is led by President and CEO Tynesha Boyer-Robinson. CapEQ is grounded in one simple truth. We can do well by doing good. Learn more about CapEQ at CapEQImpact.com. Thank you for joining us for episode 13 of the CEO Mom podcast, The Woman, the Mother, and the Myths. On this episode, we are continuing our three-part series on self-care. For our first two parts, we talked about routine and relationships. Be sure to check out those episodes. For part three of our self-care series, we are talking about renewal, changing your mindset, and shifting the way you do self-care. On this episode, Melinda and I interviewed entrepreneur, activist, and best-selling author Kate Northrup. Kate is the founder of Origin, a monthly membership program where you'll learn to manage your time and energy as a female entrepreneur. Kate also wrote the best-selling book, Do Less, a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. You've seen Kate on the Today Show, Yahoo Finance, and we are so excited to have her on the CEO Mom podcast to teach us how to make ourselves a priority. Listen in as Kate shares practical tips to get more done in less time. Thank you so much, Kate, for joining us for our self-care series. This is part three, Renewal. The first two parts were routine and relationships. So today we are going to be talking about things that we can do to get rejuvenated, to renew ourselves and shift our mindsets. We are so excited that you are joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your background and how life led you to become an entrepreneur, best-selling author, activist, and founder of Origin, which is a monthly membership program that helps women manage their time and energy as female entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I started off actually in the uh, direct sales space. So I started as an entrepreneur when I was 18 and have been at it ever since. But things changed quite dramatically when I had when I got pregnant with my first child. So up until that point, you know, I was a single woman, then a married woman, and my time was really my own. I had a lot of freedom. And then when I got pregnant, I was so tired. I mean, I, I, I cannot remember ever being so tired, even though now, you know, I have a one-year-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, and and technically my life is way more full than at that time, but I was so tired, and so I had to cut my work hours down about in half um, compared to what I was working before because I was just so tired the entire pregnancy. And yet my husband and I run our own company. And so we didn't have, um, I didn't have maternity leave. He didn't have paternity leave. You know, in the United States, we don't have paid family leave of any kind. Um, and so we needed to get the same results because we had medical bills, we had rent, we had our team to pay, you know, food, all of those things, <laughs> diapers. And at, during that first year of parenthood, um, things got even more intense because now we had a baby. And um, unfortunately, our baby was pretty sick for that first year. Um, so that was a lot of stress. I had postpartum anxiety, postpartum insomnia, and we only had about 10 hours of childcare um, a week. And so once again, my work hours were cut dramatically. 
And what was so fascinating is that we sat down a year after our first daughter was born and we saw that we had gotten the same results working less than half the amount of time. Our, our revenue had remained steady. And so I looked at that and I thought, well, then what the heck was I doing my entire adult life working, you know, 40 plus hours a week if I could have gotten the same results working like 20 hours or 10 hours a week? What's going on here? And so I really went back and um, systematized and codified what I had learned. Uh, because I figured I'm not that special. And if I could get these results, other people could as well. And so that's where Origin came from, uh, was a membership where I wanted I wanted to teach it. I wanted to practice it. I wanted to see if if other women would want to do this with me. And then and that that's where my book, Do Less, came from as well. I'm so glad you started Origin. I too um, had postpartum anxiety, so it's definitely something that will make you shift. I want to talk about what it looks like when you guys decided to reduce your hours. Were you sure about it or were you like, okay, this has to be done? Was it an easy decision? It wasn't even a decision. It just happened. I just stopped working as much. (laughs) I mean, I literally, I don't really know how else to describe it. My body just wouldn't let me do what I used to do. So it was not a mental exercise in any way, shape, or form. I just literally stopped. There's so many reasons that we have to make a dramatic shift, and it's not really a choice. It just is what it is. I love that. I love that. So one of your missions with Origin is to help women grow their businesses without sacrificing the people they love, including themselves. What are some of the ways Origin helps women to accomplish that? Well, one of the things that we do, and this is really what happened for me during that uh, pregnancy and first year of motherhood, is getting super, super clear on what matters and then cutting out all the extraneous stuff. So it's fascinating when we begin to look at the neuroscience, and I'm a super, super nerd, so I just love to look at the data. Um, And what's so amazing is that the brain, the female brain shifts during pregnancy and, and remains in this changed state for two years after the baby comes out. And what it is, what happens is that the gray matter in the area related to an an area called theory of mind shrinks. And the theory of mind area of our brains is the part of our brain that essentially allows us to care whether somebody else is having a different thought or a different experience than we are. The fact that this area of the brain shrinks when we are pregnant and when we have a small child, to me, I'm not a neuroscientist, but to me, it means it it explains why when we become mothers, it makes it so much easier to determine what matters and what doesn't. And our boundaries get really good because we don't care so much what other people think anymore because our survival, our survival and our child's survival depends on it. And so what I guide women in origin to do, and also in my book is to really dial in and get conscious of what actually matters. So what matters in our lives, but also which tasks, which activities that we're doing during the day, get us the results that we're looking for. And then which ones don't so that we can very easily take a look and say, oh, well, Okay, I'm I'm spending like three hours a day doing email. I'm spending three hours a day on social media. Neither of those things are actually leading to the results I want. I can cut that out. In in fact, I saw um I follow an account on Instagram 
who uh, posted the other day that she, when she started her business, she just thought she needed to be spending hours on social media and scheduling posts and answering every single comment and, and, and having this really dialed in strategy. And what she realized is it was sucking up all of her time and she wasn't making real connections. She wasn't actually having those one-on-one connections that resulted in sales for her. And she, she didn't stop doing social media, but she cut it down to like less than an hour a day. And her business is thriving because she's focusing on the activities that actually get her the results instead of just looking busy or doing the things that she thought she should be doing. So I think that's the first step is really basically auditing the way we spend our time. I love that. Wow. I signed up for your email. I recently received the one on Kairos time. That really resonated with me. Can you explain what that means with our listeners today? Absolutely. So there are two different types of time, and this is from um, the ancient Greeks. So there's Kronos time, and Kronos time is linear time. You know, it's the time that we both agreed to show up here on this on this interview, so we could all show up. It's it's you know, it's kind of what keeps the business world going. <laughs> it keeps our kids going right. to school at the right time, and and Kronos time just says you know there's so only only so many hours in the day, and each chunk of time is equal to another chunk of time and it's limited and it just is what it is. Kairos time, on the other hand, is the experience. The the difference between them is, is I like to explain it like this. It's the difference between the five minutes that you stood in line this morning waiting for your latte at the coffee shop and the five minutes that you spent holding your child for the first time when they were born. They're just different experiences of time. I mean, one of them, you're really aware of time. And the other one is completely timeless. And it feels like an eternity and a millisecond all at once. And time doesn't really matter. And so what I teach is that we can actually expand time. We can bend time at our will, depending on how present we are, depending on how fully we're inhabiting the present moment. And the reason that you know, the first five minutes you held your baby is be, feels like completely timeless is because you were so present. You weren't distracted by anything else. You weren't thinking about anything else. You were fully in your body experiencing the sensations, looking, smelling, you know, kissing, feeling like all of it. Um, yeah. When we can fully inhabit our lives in deeper and deeper ways, we actually have more time. It's this really wild thing. And and then we have far more satisfaction and fulfillment. And there's a lot of different ways that we can create that Kairos experience throughout our days. That's awesome. I love that. I want to get back to when you were talking about auditing your time. So on our relationship episode, we talked about auditing your relationships and just looking at the people in your life to determine the health healthy relationships versus the unhealthy relationships. What does that look like to audit your time? Well, there's a couple of different ways. One of one exercise that I, that I love and that, um, that I'll walk people through it's, it's in the book. And then there's a fuller version of it. That is a bonus that you can get with the book for free, um, as a little workshop. And so you basically take a piece of paper and you write, uh, you draw a line down the middle of it. Um, And on one side of the piece of paper, you write down the activities that you do during the day. 
And on the other side of the piece of paper, you write down your biggest wins. And this would be more in terms of your business and your career. Um, and they could be, you know, getting your first client, um, booking a speaking gig, filling a workshop, get, you know, whatever, whatever in your business uh, is, is a win. And they don't have to be giant wins. It's not like you have to have been on the Today Show or something. Like they could be, they could be just, where do your clients come from, you know? Um, and so... Because I'll, I'll get the pushback. I don't have any big wins. And I'm like, are you running a business? You have wins. <laughs> so so I think that it, this is also a practice in acknowledging and celebrating our wins. And then what you want to do is draw a line from the wins on the right side of the piece of paper to the activity that directly resulted in that win. So what becomes very clear, this is a practical application of Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule, that 20% of our activities lead to 80% of our results. And it's really important to get clear on what your 20% is so that you can begin to cut down on the rest of the activities that you do. And when you spend more time on the 20% that gets you 80% of the results, you'll also increase your results. And for me, when I did this exercise, I was pretty blown away because I spent most of my 20s living in New York City um, doing a lot of networking. I went on a bazillion coffee dates. I went to events all the time. And I had some guilt about that because I felt like, well, what, do, what did I have to show for it? You know, what, do, what did I have to show at the end of six years with like 100 million coffee dates? But when I did this exercise, I realized my biggest career wins have come from creating content and connecting with people. And I was able to drop a decade's worth of guilt and realized that was time incredibly well spent. And now when I audit my time, I make sure that I have devoted time for coffee dates, for going to live events, for meeting people in person, for connecting over a, you know, for a Skype date. Like it's a priority for me instead of what it used to be, honestly, which was a guilty pleasure. And sometimes when we love doing things, we couldn't imagine that it would possibly also be advancing our career. <laughs> but, but sometimes they're the same thing. And so that's one way that you can audit your time. And then the other way is you can set a timer on your phone and every hour, make it have it go off every hour and do this for, you know, five days or even a month if you really want to go for it and write down what you were doing in that last hour. And then at the end of the period of time that you decide to track, whether it's five days, whether it's a couple of weeks, go back and look and say, okay, is the way I'm spending my time matched up with either the results I want in my life or what I value, what I think is important to me? Because if it's not, you need to change the way you're spending your time. That's good. We will definitely include that in our newsletter notes. That is such practical information and things that we can do to see how valuable our time is and what it should look like for ourselves. That's, that's so important. I love that. So here at The Woman, The Mother, and The Myths, we love to debunk myths and challenge societal norms. You have debunked a myth of your own, and I love the way you say, we've been taught that the way to create success is to fit more into our days. That's wrong. The way to create success is to fit more of yourself into your days. What does it mean to fit more of yourself into your days? So what fitting more of yourself into your day means is actually taking yourself into consideration when you schedule your time. And when you make your to-do list. Um, 
And it doesn't have to be complicated. I have a series of a couple of quick questions that I ask myself every week when I'm looking over my schedule and when I'm making my weekly to-do list, because I make a weekly to-do list, not a daily one, because I think when we make daily to-do lists, we become inflexible and we over we overcommit. So I make mine weekly and I limit it. And um, the questions are, what does my body need this week? And I'll ask, you know, uh, what phase am I in my menstrual cycle? Because that will affect where my energy is that week. Um, And I think it's really important to embrace our energy level at any given time and not push up against it. Because during the month, as women, we have four distinct phases of different kind of energy. And they are perfectly suited for the different activities that are required to get any project completed. Um, there's the follicular phase that is uh, for new beginnings, brainstorming, planning. There's the ovulation phase that is perfect for getting things out there, being out in the public, networking, speaking, um, connecting. And there's the luteal phase, which is perfect for detail work and completing things. And then there's the menstrual phase, which is perfect for rest and reflection and evaluation. And so I will ask myself, where's what does my body need this week? And and what phase of my cycle am I in? If I am cycling, I mean, to be perfectly honest, through most of the time I've been doing this work, I've been either pregnant or nursing. So um <laughs> so <laughs> that I just ask, you know, what does my body need more as a, on a global scale? Um, so for those listening who aren't cycling, just know you can play too. You don't have to be cycling. Um, and then I ask, what are my top three priorities for the week? So I really only look at three uh, for the whole week. And because, you know, with kids and with unexpected things, you know, I live in Maine. There's unexpected things with the weather. There's like we lose power. I mean, there's stuff that happens. And a lot of our lives are not in our control. And if I have overbooked myself, my life becomes unmanageable. But if I've not overbooked myself and I keep things to three priorities, then I am taking my own sanity into consideration and allowing for flexibility and wiggle room. And then I ask my heart, how do I feel right now? How do I feel this week? And how do I want to feel? And what might I be able to do in order to feel that way or to support the feelings I'm having? And then I also, I love astrology and I love to ask what um, what's going on with the moon and the stars and how can that support my workflow this week? So those are the things that I go through. I, I, it really only takes me like three minutes. It's not that big of a deal. And then I make my to-do list based on the information that I've asked myself and the answers that I've gotten. Um, and this quells my tendency to overbook myself. It quells my tendency to have eyes that are bigger than my schedule. And it quells the fact that I am a really enthusiastic person and I want to say yes to everything. But when I ask myself these questions first, my boundaries get better and I get much more clear on what matters and what doesn't matter. And I make sure that I end up on my schedule because if I end up on my schedule, all the important stuff gets done and everyone else gets taken care of too. This is revolutionizing the way I do everything. In the email I received from you, you hit on the four phases. I felt such a weight lifted off of me in terms of feeling guilty during my menstrual new moon phase. In that phase, I would get frustrated because I would want to rest, but I would feel like I needed to be planning or meeting a deadline. It makes so much sense that this is the time for me to rest. It makes so much sense now. This is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. 
And what I love about it is it's very intentional. It makes you stop and pay attention to you. I do think that it is so important when you talk about shifting your mindset, it is about starting with you. So this leads us to your book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time Management for Busy Moms. I love the way you say it's really for all women. You do not have to be a mother to benefit from this book. What does it look like to do less? So doing less does not mean doing nothing. Um, a lot of people will say, well, I, you don't understand. I'm so busy. I can't just do nothing. And I'm like, I'm not doing nothing either. <laughs> so doing less just means doing less of the stuff that doesn't matter, doing less of the stuff that drains us, doing less of the stuff that's just busy work and not getting us results. And it's being more conscious of the way we spend our time. It's valuing our time. It's being more intentional about the way we spend our time. Um, so that when we do less, of the stuff that doesn't matter, we have more time and energy for the things that do matter and we get way better results and we're happier, we're more fulfilled, uh, we're less stressed out, our central nervous systems calm down. Here's the thing, like we've been all raised to believe that if you want better results, you have to work more hours. But the data actually doesn't show that that's the case. The data shows that there's a um, diminishing rate of return after about six hours of work a day, maybe even four. And that the rest of the workday, we're just kind of sitting there tootling around, right? And though that time could be spent like taking a walk in the woods or getting a massage or, you know, making a healthy meal or meditating. Like there are so many other things we could be doing if we stopped to stopped adhering to the somewhat arbitrary 40-hour work week. Like some guy just came up with that and then we've all been <laughs> operating under that system completely not based on evidence, data, or results. I was reading in your book that in Europe, there are certain countries where they only work six-hour days. We really need to adopt that in the U.S. because the stress behind trying to get it all done within eight hours or a 40-hour week isn't effective. Things are still not getting done, yet we are stressed. We never seem to have enough time during the day. And now you're like, do less, but not only do less, do what matters and do it within a six hour day work week or even four hours a day. That just made me excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything you're saying, Kate, applies to self-care. This idea of doing less and being more intentional about what matters is a big part of self-care. And we believe that self-care is a lifestyle. It's not these isolated things that you do, but more how you function on a daily basis. So Kate, how do you define self-care? I really define self-care as taking yourself into consideration. Mm. So, you know, while bubble baths and pedicures are wonderful and I love those things, um, self-care is saying no Self-care is just checking in before you make a decision or even before you walk out of the house and just saying, like, what do I need right now? Self-care is taking a pee break when you have to go pee, you know, like and not sitting for an hour to finish the report because or like taking a walk around the block when your body needs some fresh air. I mean, it can be so simple or, or asking yourself, um, you know, so, so silly. Like, I don't know if you ladies do this, but the carrying, you know, carrying the car seat plus the two school bags, plus a bag of groceries, plus your purse, plus your mug of coffee, like all at the same time. That's not self-care. That's just making, you know, and I, I'll do that. And my husband will look at me and be like, what are you doing? 
<laughs> and that that is not taking myself and my needs into consideration. It's making making life harder than it needs to be. It's like we have this erroneous belief that that the harder we work, that the more we suffer, the more things we do alone by ourselves, that somehow we're going to get something from that. And I'm not sure what we think we're going to get. Because there's nothing on the other side of that other than exhaustion. That's true. So how do we shift or renew our minds to see the value of doing less when society has taught us that more is better? Well, that's where I really love the data. Um, I think that it's, you know, we, we make decisions based on emotions and then we back them up based on logic and so that we'll actually do them. Um, and so that's why I included in the book, um, chapter one is all about the data on doing less from around the world. You know, the six hour work week, the, the fact that we work the best when we work for a 52 hour, uh, sorry, 50, not 52 hour, 52 minute chunk of time and then take a 17 minute break, that that's the most optimal productivity cycle if you want to be the most productive. Um, so I believe in checking out the data so that we can just give it, give it a try. And then the other thing is the reason I broke up my, my book into 14 experiments is because we really need to try things out and see how they work for us so we can prove it to ourselves. I mean, you don't need to take my word for it. I'm not the world's leading expert on this. I'm just trying things out. And I think it's so important for us all to become our own scientists and see what works in our own lives. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about your do less experiments. At the end of every episode, we like to leave our listeners with tips and strategies to help them apply what we've talked about. What are your top strategies and tips to help women start on the path to doing less? Number one is to ask your body what your body needs. I have a mantra. It's it's body first, business second. Because when we give our bodies what they need, our bodies are our number one source of energy. And what we need to run our businesses, to run our careers, to run our families is energy. And the number one complaint I hear is, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. And if we want to have more time, we need to tend to our energy first, because when we manage our energy, we end up having enough time. It's really, it's this wild thing that we're actually taught to manage the wrong resource, you know? So my book, while it says it's about time management, is really about energy management. Um, and so, but just nobody knows what that is. So that's why we all <laughs> call it that. Um, so really ask yourself throughout the day and maybe even set a reminder on your phone, what does my body need right now? And then get in the habit of giving your body what she needs at any given moment, because then she will reward you with more energy to get done the things you need to get done. Awesome. You have left us with so many amazing nuggets and practical tips that we can start using today. I love it. Thank you. You're so welcome. So how can our listeners connect with you? So I'd love for you to go over to, if you have the book or you're thinking of getting the book, go over to katenorthup.com forward slash book. And I had mentioned you'll get the um, 80-20 rule workshop as well as a workshop on how to set boundaries and say no uh, as my gift to you when you order the book. And then I'm over on Instagram at Kate Northrup. That's the social media platform I hang out most on. So um, those would be the two spots. Thank you so much, Kate. We have really enjoyed our time speaking with you today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of the CEO Mom Podcast, The Woman, The Mother, and The Myths. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we have. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe and definitely rate us. Go deeper with us on every episode by subscribing to our exclusive newsletter at CEOMomMagazine.com. There, we'll provide tips and information based on every episode. This podcast is produced by For Her Media with music by BOPD and C. Scott. Until the next conversation, thanks for joining us.